red flags, but okay podcast beginning in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey, Jen. Hey, Kate. How's it going? Oh, you know. (laughs) I don't know why I said that. It's going fine. It's going medium. (laughs) I Um, can't believe it's February. It is February. I'm a day ahead, but yeah, it's very much February. As I look up at my January calendar, I haven't changed yet. (laughs) My office one is still in November, so. Yeah, we're trudging our way through little by little. But um, this is Weird Flex, but okay. This is the podcast where we teach you stuff. You may or may not use that stuff in the future, but it's now in your brain, so you get it for free. And my name's Kate. And I'm Jen. And this week, our topic is rinse and repeat. It sure is. And you start this one off. I do. And I am covering repeat. I got you with rinse. (laughs) All right, Kate. Are you guilty of listening to a specific song or album on repeat until you basically can't stand it anymore? Shout out to Machine Gun Kelly, Hotel Diablo, (laughs) going on a year and a half now, nonstop. (laughs) What about um, playing certain songs over and over again when you're feeling some type of way? I do. I'll actually start out a really sad song and then I won't have felt sad enough. So I'll start it over from the middle and be like, no, I need to actually feel this. Do you ever wonder why you would do that to yourself? I always assumed it was <laughs> mental illness, but I hope you tell me. Yeah, so you're not alone. <laughs> Thank God. Um, a bunch of researchers from the University of Michigan actually ran a psychology study to examine why we do this to ourselves. Hit me up with it. They had a total of 204 participants, 30 or younger. And they gave them a survey where they were asked which songs they listen to most often and just how often they listen to those songs. And they had to categorize them as making them feel happy, calm, or bittersweet. Okay. So the study results showed that 86% of the respondents listen to their favorite songs once a week and almost 50% of them listen every day. When diving further into the survey results, it revealed that if the participant's favorite song was classified as happy, then they liked to listen to it on repeat because of the rhythm and the beat. Whereas if the song was classified as bittersweet, they liked the song because it was more of a deeper connection that they got. Okay, I can tell that uh, I can tell that Owen is feeling a very deep connection right now. Owen is feeling some type of way. He is. He hasn't heard his favorite song in a little while. I that actually all makes total sense to me. I am very much guilty of the sad songs to like almost make myself more sad. Just to, like mm-hmm. let's get it all out, you know? Yeah. But that's very interesting. I'm glad to know that somebody actually did the research into it though. Yeah, it was very interesting. And unfortunately, the paper you had to pay for the full paper, so I can only go off with the abstract, but Stop putting stuff behind paywalls, you guys. You know, another like newspaper article bought it and wrote about it. So I got a little bit more info from them than the actual paper. But yeah, well, that's that's very cool. I like that. You can you can feel free to listen to any of our episodes on repeat. Yeah, or just Owen barking on repeat. <laughs> yeah, if you're just like super into dogs, this is the dog cast. Okay, so. 
Jennifer, have you ever used a neti pot or nasal rinse? I have not actually. Okay. But you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. It's like a, for those of you who don't know, it's literally looks like a teapot and you put it up one nostril, tilt your head to the side, pour the water in, it goes through your sinuses and then it comes out the other nostril. Um, I have never used one. It seems really disconcerting. Um, Yeah. It kind of weirds me out. I feel like that would, in my mind, it's waterboarding, to be honest. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I think I would think I was drowning. But I am am fortunate enough that I don't have sinus issues or allergies. I know many people that do. I know people that have used the neti pot. Um, So one of the big things a lot of people have heard, though, is that using a neti pot can, or just like any brand, but that's the brand I'm just picking on, can give you a brain-eating amoeba. Which sounds terrifying or some sort of brain lesion causing bacteria or organism. Um, I have heard this for a very long time. I did find several articles that like news articles that talked about it. I could not find a specific backed up. This person from multiple sources had this happen to them. It was just like a woman in Seattle, you know, Mm -hmm. like it couldn't really be like it, it just it doesn't seem like fake to me, but it just seems like maybe it's blown a little too far out of proportion. Like really rare. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is this true? Does a neti pot cause you to have some sort of brain eating illness? Kind of. Um, it has absolutely nothing to do with the rinse itself, like the act of using the pot. And it doesn't have to do with the product. It has everything to do with the water that you use. So as recommended, by the way, by the companies, you can only use sterile water, cooled, boiled water, or specifically filtered water, not a Brita filter, like a filter that's actually made to remove microscopic living things. Um, That's the only things you're supposed to use. Otherwise, whatever is living in that water, and there is a lot of stuff living in your water, guys. (laughs) is going to be get, getting all up in your nose and all up in your brain. So now you know if you're going to if you really feel like waterboarding yourself with a neti pot, please use these specific types of water, use clean water or you never know what's going to happen. I mean, best case scenario nothing happens, worst case scenario your brain rots away. So now you know. Now I know. I would think that would be common sense. <laughs> but <sighs> It is not. <laughs> you know, someone probably used toilet water. Oh, no thanks. All right. But on with some warning that we all know, which is if you ignore history, it will repeat itself. Boy, howdy. In some instances, that actually seemed to be the case. And unfortunately, it leads to some not so good moments in history. The first example is the Armenian Genocide. Are you familiar with it at all? Yeah, I am. I was a little bit familiar, but not not that much. Um, So it's actually considered the first Holocaust of the 20th century. It's the Armenian Mm -hmm. Holocaust. Um, But it's it's not discussed as much as the Holocaust from World War II. So with the Armenian genocide, the Turkish Turkish government treated Armenians as infidels for years leading up to April 24th, 1915, which was the start of the government-sanctioned genocide. It began after Turkey was 
fighting with Germany in World War I, and they were worried that the Armenians would oppose them and fight against them and against Germany. So they began to just kill the Armenian people. Um, As you do. Yeah. It lasted until 1922, and by that point, there were approximately 1.5 million Armenians killed. And afterwards, only 388,000 remained alive in the Ottoman Empire. Holy cow. And sadly, the ability of a government to almost completely wipe out one group of people was ignored. And the Holocaust that you learn about a lot in your like history classes followed shortly after this one. Another... Maybe a little more lighthearted example is Napoleon and Hitler both attempted to invade Russia in the winter and both failed. Thank God Napoleon's back on the Napoleon cast. Though. I know. Right? Missed him. So maybe Hitler should have paid more attention to, to what happened in history. He wouldn't have had such a big loss in Russia. I think there was a lot of things Hitler might have benefited from paying better attention <laughs> True. to. True. Was, um, I mean, hot takes, but he's a little bit of a problematic character in history. Next is the Great Depression of 1929 was preceded by the Long Depression 56 Ooh. years prior, which fun fact, it was actually called the Great Depression, but then 1929 came. And so the first Great Depression got changed to the Long Depression. Of course. Then, of course, we had another crash in 2008, and it does not seem like we are learning from this cycle of economic crashes. No, you guys, money's not real. It's not real. (laughs) I think the GameStop Reddit debacle has taught us all that, that the stock market is worthless and meaningless. Yeah, it's... It's just, it's literally made to make rich people richer. They don't care about you, okay? They don't care And then, uh, of course, we can't forget the similarities between outbreaks throughout history and the current pandemic we are experiencing. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when you cry about your gym being closed or not getting to wear a mask or not getting to go out to a bar and kind of look back at what happened in these other outbreaks and maybe, maybe don't let history repeat itself. Yeah. You were warned. You knew this was coming. That's yeah. That's, that's a side of repeat that I don't like. Yeah. Hate it. Thanks. Why can't, I mean, some good things, you know, like the fashion trends coming back. If only I had known, I would have kept so many things. I am never going to wear flared jeans again. You can keep it. I don't feel like my legs are long enough. Like, I feel like flared jeans only look good on people who have the really, like, long legs. And then they wear the, like, long heels. Mm -hmm. And then it just makes their legs look even longer. Kind of makes people look like a Clydesdale, though. But that's just me. (laughs) Okay. Listen. We have probably all heard the phrase rinse and repeat. It's literally what this episode is. Mm -hmm. We've heard it a million times. But are you really supposed to rinse and repeat? Are you? Maybe. Maybe. Sometimes. Possibly. Um, We all have different hair. 
and some of us, me, almost never shampoo their hair. So rinse and repeat was originally advertised as how you're supposed to shampoo your hair, not condition. I always thought it was conditioner. Um, You're supposed to like shampoo your hair, rinse it all out, and then shampoo it again. This seems like this seems overly drying to me. This I was gonna say seems like the opposite of what you're told to do now, which is only shampoo your hair like once a month. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I'm screaming. Come on, guys! Like it's uh, everything that this advertising angle says is just it just seems like the driest hair in the world. Um, but so they can sell you more conditioner and hair moisturizing products, huh? It's so they can sell you all of it. Um, conspiracy cabaret yes it's actually an advertising tactic and that's fine advertising be advertising um but it's also something that's known as the shampoo algorithm the phrase rinse and repeat is encoding the mindless following of simple instructions so in a sense of being able to clearly and continually follow simple instructions yes you should absolutely rinse and repeat always but um, rinse and repeat has almost just become more of an idiom now than directions. <laughs> if you're gonna be using an eddy pot, you should probably rinse. And Boiling water. That rinse. <laughs> rinse with something. Rinse with cleaner, please. <laughs> All right, Kate. Let's talk about deja vu. All over. Oh, I'm here for. I know. And you have been waiting for this moment. I have. That's exactly why I requested to cover repeat was because I wanted to talk about deja vu. Have you experienced it? All the time. It's very unsettling. It is. It really is. Also, it makes me feel kind of important. (laughs) Like I'm predicting the future, even though I know it's total BS. Deja vu translates from French to already seen. And it's basically a 10 to 30 second sensation of having already experienced a particular moment or event. And it is very weird to just be like this. I've had this conversation before with someone and a lot of people who experience it. I think the most common one, which I wouldn't call deja vu, but whatever, is you dream something and then something happens very similar to your dream that you just had. Which, honestly, if that happened to me a lot, <laughs> we'd oh be in God. for some some weird scenarios. I had a Dear really listeners. weird, weird Sharknado-esque dream. Dear listeners, that nobody I'm dreams like Jen. Nobody <laughs> has dreams like Jen. I swear to God. And I go to sleep at very different times than Jen. So sometimes I'll be like falling asleep and I'll get a text and it's just like, listen. I'm like, here we go. I'm like, I know you should be sleeping right now, but let me tell you about my dream. I I always want to know. I have the same dream often. Like I do too. And so that's in a sense, I have that dream deja vu. But like people will be like, oh, I dreamed that. And I've had this happen a lot. And that's why I'm feel very strongly that it's not deja vu where it's like in high school I had a dream that one of my friends had a bloody lip and then like the next day she had a bloody lip what did you punch her was it a self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) (laughs) I did not so that some people will claim deja vu in that sense but how I view it is you're you know you walks into a building you've never been to before but you're like I know 
where I know the bathroom's going to be right around that corner and there's mm-hmm. no sign for the bathroom or something like, or I know there will be a water fountain there. Um, but it's just like this, like sense of knowing about something that you've never yeah, experienced for me, before. Like, for me, it's like a moment will happen and I'll just have that, that flash of like, I've heard these words in this situation and like this whole mm-hmm. thing. I've had this exact moment. Like I've had this three seconds happen before. Well, you'll be interested to know that researchers and doctors have actually been studying this phenomenon and they yeah. study it in relation to patients who have epilepsy because a lot of patients claim to experience deja vu just before a seizure. Oh, Ooh. Right? That's a little unsettling. The patients who experience this are temporal lobe seizure patients, which makes sense because the temporal lobes are the brain regions that are for memory. Okay. But they have yet to find a trigger for this. So they don't know what triggers the deja vu right before the seizure. They just know that these patients who have seizures related to the temporal lobe experience deja vu before a seizure. That's so crazy. Like, like, do the, I wonder, does, does it happen often enough in these patients that it's like a predictor of their seizure coming? That's what I want to know. And then I'm like, but could it just be like, oh, I know I've experienced this before. And it's like, yeah, because you get it every time you have a seizure. And if you have seizures often enough. Um, interesting That's so if you have temporal lobe seizures let us know i want to know yeah. if you do i'm so so sorry yeah. but yeah please tell us what's going on with that um a little know. more background on deja vu and just some kind of like famous psychologist theories on it so emile boirac sure was the first to coin the term. He was a French philosopher, and it was in 1876. Um, And that's from then. Everybody had lots of things to say, like, of course, Freud. And I bet this will be very shocking to you. Freud believes deja vu is related to repressed desire. Listen, Freud, (laughs) give it a rest, man. Everything can't be about the same thing. And then Carl Jung claimed it was from people tapping into the collective unconscious, which I really like that idea. I like that a lot. That's real spooky. Mm -hmm. And the idea of a collective unconscious is just like if you could tap into that, be like, I'm taking a math test. I'm going to just tap into some famous mathematicians. (laughs) Yeah. Open my mind to new things, please. And then, of course, there's those who believe deja vu is evidence of past lives. I Um, have heard that before. Though none of my deja vu has ever been something that could have possibly been like another person's experience. Yeah, that's the same for me. But um, when I think back in body and soul, when I Mm -hmm. talked about reincarnation, the Shanti Devi had a lot of deja vu that was related to the other person's life. Yes, I recall that would be real mm. creepy if it's like yeah. I've done this before, but as a middle-aged man, <laughs> please, please God, if you exist, don't make me ever feel like a middle-aged man. <laughs> this is my only request. Well, and that's really cool. Yeah, that's some fun things about deja vu. Well, thank you for that. I, 
I find deja vu to be endlessly fascinating and also severely unsettling when it happens to me. I really don't Same. like the feeling. And I don't Same. know why I don't like the feeling. It's I don't I think it's just because it's like, did it happen before? Did I forget something? Mm-hmm. And it it's really, I think, unsettling with the conversations where you're like, I have heard this exact thing, like you're saying, like this exact sentence before. Yeah. And it also makes me feel like there's a part of my brain or memories or something that I'm not in control of. Mm-hmm. which is creepy because obviously I'm not in control of a lot of my brain, but being like sentient of that, I'm just like, Ugh, I hate it. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. I'm going to just say it's, we're tapping into the collective unconscious. I'm with old boy, Carl. Okay, good. Here I am tapping into the collective unconscious. Okay. Well, let's tap into the collective unconscious on something totally different. All right, listen, let's talk oral rinse or mouth rinse or mouthwash or <laughs> mouth bath, which was a name I hated. Oh. But let's talk about let's talk about mouthwash, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna kiss. give my mouth a bath. <laughs> I just I can't explain to you how much I dislike that phrase. There's something about it that is just nasty, nasty. But we're gonna talk about the history of mouthwash. All right, so, give it to me. I'm doing it. So mouthwash, in some form, for the purposes of treating some form of oral issue, whether it be sores or stinky breath or gingivitis or whatever goes all the way back to ancient India, where it was used as kind of an alternative medicine, though it wasn't really alternative medicine, because it just was medicine to treat gingivitis specifically. The Mm -hmm. Greeks and Romans also used different formulas of mouthwash as a companion to toothbrushing. And the Aztecs and their very advanced dental science that was more advanced than the dental science of the West during that period, um, they did the same thing as well. Thousands of years of history all over the world. But what we consider to be, quote unquote, mouthwash now in the Western world is Listerine. So that's not the same thing. No. So I'm going to get into the history of Listerine and where exactly that came from. So Joseph Lister used carbolic acid on surgical dressings in 1865, and he changed the entire medical and surgical system forever. So surviving surgery and surviving the almost definite infection after surgery was actually really rare before he stepped on the scene. It was almost a given that if you had surgery, you were going to die of infection. It wasn't until well after Joseph Lister started introducing this because people did not believe it or adopted it first. Um, He was like, you guys should super wash your hands before you dig around in people's bodies and you should also clean their wounds. But before that happened and before it was adopted, you almost never went to the doctor and left better off. <laughs> it was usually better to not get medical care because the things that would happen to you were far worse than what ha- what you had oh, already. I'm so uncomfy. Yes. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but we're getting away from that now. Um, so we take a lot of it for granted now, for sure. A few years Mm -hmm. later, in the 1880s, Dr. Joseph Lawrence, who was from St. Louis, made an alcohol-based surgical antiseptic that he named Listerine after the pioneer Joseph Lister, which, I mean, good on him, but he didn't name it like Lawrencine or something like that. Like He was like straight up like, this is an homage to this amazing person, Joseph Lister. So the formula has changed a million times. There are tons of brands now, but the basis of it is all the same reducing the amount of living organisms in the oral cavity. It's so simple. It's so genius. It's excellent. Thank you, Joseph Lister. Thank you, Joseph Lawrence. Thank you, Aztecs. Thank you, ancient India. 
we our, our mouths are healthier for it. Okay, Kate, we're going to talk about deja vu all over again. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, the redundancy of it all. No, really, we are going to talk about the illusion of truth. Oh. Do you ever wonder how some ideas and concepts become believed as the truth when in fact they are a lie? I do. And you're free, anyone listening, to listen to Conspiracy Cabaret anytime you want. (laughs) We have a few episodes. Yes. A lot of it comes down to repetition. And shockingly, it does not usually have the best history since this exact concept played a large role in Nazi propaganda. Yep. The Nazi Joseph Goebbels he was even quoted saying, repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. Yeah, we've big time seen that lately. A study in 1979 looked at this exact concept. So they, I'm going to do my best to explain this because it did, it is, it did take me like reading it like five times to figure out exactly what they did. So they gave participants a list of like trivia statements, like the sky is blue and Some participants got all true statements, and then others received a list of statements with untrue statements in there. And each participant had to rank these statements as true or false. They then get a break, which it's a varying between minutes and a week, and that is not very scientifically. Yeah, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm thinking into like my, my like ethics of human experimentation classes and like you can't do that (laughs) you're gonna have to report that discrepancy i'm so sorry um and then i'm guessing they did um like certain groups got a minute a couple minutes and then certain groups got a couple weeks so that they could see if like the time in between changed it like i'm hoping that their irb was aware of all of this and it somehow checked out (laughs) (laughs) but then they came back and they had to repeat the process However, some participants got the same list that they had before, and others, their list had the, like, true or untrue statement flipped. So one of the examples was, like, a prune is a dehydrated plum, and then it was, like, a date is a dehydrated plum, and that's a prune. Interesting. Like that. Um, And so then they had to rate these as true or false and the results showed that the participants were more likely to rate the statements they'd seen before as true even if they were in fact false so if they had the same false statement twice they were more likely to rank it as true because they'd already seen it before and so they're like oh yeah that's gotta be true i remember that one oh that's very interesting it goes on okay keep moving they then wanted to continue the study because there was the argument of, well, if you have prior knowledge, repetition won't affect that. So if you know the sky is blue, it doesn't matter how many times someone tells you the sky's not blue. Like, you know, it's blue. Okay. I feel like, I feel like in this, you're going to tell me that you can still be convinced otherwise. Yeah, that is exactly what the results. Yep. The results showed that. So they used known and unknown 
items and they had to rank them again. And it showed that previous knowledge did not help prevent um, repetition from convincing you that a statement is true when it's false. So wow, I'm glad they went into that angle of it. Yeah. And then, um, yep. So, and then they did like one a little bit more with like ranking on a scale of one to six of true and false. Um, but I didn't read too much on that. I wanted, cause it again was very little, like took me a couple reads to make sure I understood what the study did, but mm-hmm. the unknown versus known was really interesting. Cause it shows you that even the most of like educated of people can still be convinced of a lie if it's repeated to them enough times. And I think that's what we've seen a lot with like mm-hmm. QAnon and yeah. even like stuff with the pandemic is like, there are people who are very educated and they know how things work, but certain politicians or public figures, the vaccine vaccines are a great example. I think of this. Oh yeah. That's something so, that like, yeah, it's just, there's, there's so much psychology yeah. in all of that. It's bananas. It's so crazy. Interesting and frustrating all at once. Yeah. And so it's kind of scary that, you know, with enough repetition, a false statement could be perceived as true by a large amount of people. The psychological angle of you not having control of your own knowledge mm-hmm. is so creepy to me. Yeah. Just that somebody can influence you, which... I've had in my personal life that someone can influence you into genuinely believing something like mm-hmm. so strongly that you're willing to like hitch your life to it. And you're like, and then you step back and you're like, what the hell? Like Cold that's so weird. I feel like are really good at that. Like selling a lie, the illusion yeah. of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, of course they use other tactics of sleep deprivation and yeah. Cult leaders. For, and it's drugs. also just, it's, yeah, it's just like a, it's abuse, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just a, it's a form of just abuse of like using that as gaslighting, essentially mm-hmm. gaslighting. So and yeah, I feel like there's a lot of charismatic people out there who are really good at this, and like you think they're charming, so you don't really think much about it. Like, but well, don't be charming, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Walt. Oh, it's, Walt's Walt's it's Roy, actually. Right oh, I'm sorry, Roy. I don't know why I called him Walt. I know his receding hairline. <laughs> I know that white face. Um, it's just like, he's a man. Give him a man name. His little face. His little nose. His little face. Well, that's really interesting and also yeah. horrifying. Yeah. I'm bringing out some fun topics this week. Well, what are you doing? Hey, you want to talk about something awful? Oh, God. Is it a murder? No, it's not a murder. I wish it was. I guess it could be kind of. I don't have any murders in this in this episode. I'm so sorry. I wish I could murder more people. It just didn't fit. But we're going to talk about something that is not metal at all. But the name is so metal that I want to start a metal band just to use that for this phrase as the name. Oh, of I'm metal intrigued. Band. Okay. Um, it is Baptism of the Dead. Ooh. So, unfortunately. Disappoint me with how not metal it is. Oh, I'm about to. We're getting Mormon up in here. Oh. So, Fortunately, as badly as I want it to be, it is not literally dunking dead bodies in water in the name of uh, God. I want it to be so bad, but it's that not. That would be so cool. I know. Please give me something dope like that. But no, the Mormons. Let's put that in our religion. Okay. I'm going to pencil it into our religion. 
which if you guys don't know, we have been planning to start a religion for a very long time. It involves worshiping cats. Yes, there's worshiping cats. Um, it's mostly just a scheme for me to make money, but you're that welcome too. to join anytime. <laughs> I will be your Don't tell leader. them that part. I'm charismatic enough that they will believe me anyway. Illusion um, of truth. Exactly. That's what our religion is called, the illusion of truth. But um, baptism of the dead is a practice sometimes taken in the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Church, Mormons, where someone will be baptized as a proxy for a person who has died unbaptized. So that's the short answer. The long answer is that in LDS, much like many Christian churches, they believe that a person must be baptized to go to heaven. If someone dies without being baptized, a member of the church over the age of 12 who currently holds a recommend, which is basically like a super special membership card that lets them enter the temple, can take the baptism rites for a deceased person, men for men and women for women. The deceased person can then choose in the afterlife if they want to accept the the baptism rites or not, and then either enter or not enter the pearly gates. (laughs) So that is baptism of the dead, which should be baptism for the dead, really. But that's what it is. So if you are... If you're thinking about just dying unbaptized somewhere, there may be a Mormon who's going to stand up and do it for you. And then as a ghost, you get to choose whether or not you like it. My main question on this is, how do you know if they say yes or no? You just have to go on faith. If they say no, do you become unbaptized for them? Like, that would be also very subtle. Evaporate? If you are a ghost that listens and a Mormon got baptized for you. So can you unbaptize a Mormon by being a ghost? Let us know if you accepted or rejected. I love that we're just like, like what what on earth is more metal than being a ghost and being like, I don't want to go to heaven. Like, (laughs) I'm picturing them flying away with a guitar. Like somebody, some 12 year old Mormon is like, please let me send you to heaven. I'm doing this for you. And they're like, no, guitar solo. <laughs> it's not it. a phase, mom. <laughs> I told you I'm gone. It's excellent. So that is baptism of the dead for you. There's a, it's all basically based on a, um, a Bible verse. I'm not going to include it because I'm too, I'm, I'm too metal for that. I'll die if I look at a Bible, but I did read the Bible verse and I didn't interpret it that way. So I don't know what they're basing it on, but um, there's very few churches that actually do participate in this. And LDS is the only one that I think actually kind of like allows it as a larger church. That is very interesting. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about a punishment known as writing lines and are you does this ring a bell no okay i'm like i'm looking at your face and it does not look like it's ringing a bell the silence is telling me no okay well it will when i explain it it's a school punishment and it's one of the few remaining punishments for schools that has outlived things like you know the dunce cap and smacking them with a ruler and Writing lines is having to write the same sentence 
over and over and over and over again with to the designated amount, repeating it until the teacher's like limit is reached that they said. Okay. Hate that. Never had to do it, but I do hate that. Yeah. So this is also very seen very often in pop culture. Uh, you may think of Harry Potter when he's having to write with the quill and it carves into his hand. Oh, it grossed me out. And most famously is a running gag on the Simpsons opening credits. Oh, yeah. They always show Bart writing a sentence and it's on the chalkboard and each episode has a different one. Oh, I didn't even know that. I, I haven't watched the Simpsons in a long time, I must confess. Not every episode has one. There's a couple that don't. Um, the very first episode does not have that. The, so it's the first time it occurs is in the second episode. And it's the sentence, I will not waste chalk. <laughs> That's funny. And then um, it's even included in the Simpsons movie with, I will not illegally download this movie. Oh, cute. Very millennial. Some of the other good ones are, I am not a 32-year-old woman, which (laughs) this was done because the person who is the voice actor for Bart was 32. It was her 32nd birthday. (laughs) So Uh, she also, she has a podcast. It's a true crime podcast and it's called Small Time Dicks. And I listen to it um, and it's, it's very, very funny. Um, there was, I will never win an Emmy. Five days is not too long to wait for a gun. Okay. I'm I'm loving the angle they're taking here. And we have the pilgrims were not illegal aliens. (laughs) There is, I will not use permanent ink on the chalkboard. Okay. Um, and then a lot of them, they have like smaller details where the font style he's writing in plays into what the sentence is. Um, or it's like, I will fin one was I'll finish what I start. And it's like STA and then the chalk drags off because he because he always runs off when the bell rings. And so it's like he only wrote the sentence once and he didn't finish it. Um, I know after the first episode, after Trump won the election, was being right is not always fun or something because they had one of their earlier episodes had predicted Trump being president. And so they were playing into that own joke. So that is a fun little, if you did not know that 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 it's different every time on The Simpsons, I mean maybe you live under a rock but that's okay um (laughs) but you can go back and watch a lot of times they do keep it up with current events it may have nothing to do with what the episode is on but um it is up to date with current events usually that's really cool that's interesting i like it thanks bart simpson okay so I usually like to end on a funny note. You know this. Yeah. But today I'm going to end on a gross note. And I'm not Ooh. sorry. We're about to get really nasty. I'm going to talk about a monster that was born out of things flushed down toilets and rinsed down drains. I'm going to talk 
about fat birds. Oh no. Are you familiar with the phrase? I'm not, but I'm picturing um the like creepy like gummy guy from the Bob's Burgers episode at the candy factory. <laughs> yeah, so it's worse than anything you can imagine. I'm going to paint you a word picture. But at the very end of our Instagram post, I will add actual pictures of the fatberg. It's pretty awful. But so fatbergs are, there's a lot of them, by the way. It's not, it didn't just happen once. It happens all the time. Fatbergs are gigantic, horrifying collections of non-biodegradable waste held together by calcified fats, usually Mm. cooking grease, that goes down drains all over cities and towns and collects, blocking the sewer system and wreaking havoc. It usually starts with a rough spot in a pipe, like a brick or mortar sticking out. And from there, a wet wipe or a tampon will get stuck to it and collect more friends, soaking up grease and growing. It's getting worse. The obstruction causes a swirling vortex in the flow of the water that that draws in more debris. Eventually, the fat bird will grow so enormous that it disrupts entire sewer systems. And in some cases, causes sewage overflow and millions of dollars worth of damage. Oh. Here are some things found in fat birds. <gasps> no. Tell me, but no. Hold on. <laughs> Tampons, cotton balls, Q-tips, animal bones from food waste, condoms, and insert extra barf emoji, needles. <gasps> yes. So the main culprit, though, is wet wipes. Wet wipes are the root of all evil here. Even the ones that say they're flushable wipes. Yeah, you can flush them. They're not biodegradable, though. You can absolutely flush. You flush all sorts of things. You can flush a cell phone down the toilet if you try hard enough. But um, so how big exactly are these fatbergs, you ask? You didn't ask, but I'm telling you. Tell me. Yes. Owen says tell him, too. You're going to be shooketh. Oh, no. These are so big. So in 2013, which these have been around since roughly 2010, but in 2013 in London, one was found that weighed 15 tons and was the size of a bus. (gasps) It's getting bigger. Uh, Hold on. It's getting bigger? Hold on. So a few years later in 2017, another London bird, this one, 820 feet long, and weighing in at 130 tons. <gasps> a dried out piece of this particular one was displayed at the Museum of London for a while because it's just so wacky. Yeah. Um, I feel like you have to like see it to like really, because I'm just trying to conceptualize it and it just. Yeah. Um, I, I'll send you pictures. We'll put pictures on the Instagrams, um, but we're not done getting bigger. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> London again, London again, this one was, wait for it, a 400 ton monster. What? 400 tons. I, I don't even know how big that is. London, was, what are you doing? I'll explain why it happens in London in just a second. But um, it, it's happened all over the world. But for instance, of course, in uh, in 2020, Due to COVID toilet paper shortages, a 42-ton Australian beast was discovered Mm. um, because people were using wet wipes more than toilet paper. So that was the root of that. 42 tons is huge, but in, like, the the scope of a 400-ton one, it seems so tiny, but that's still, like, unbelievably huge. Um, So 
there have been fatbergs all over the world, including the U.S., but London seems to collect the brunt of them due to their very large population and extremely old Victorian sewer systems that have a lot of sharp turns and rough spots in the sewer system. So that is why it happens in London the most. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's honestly in London, it's like a constant battle against them. It's pretty intense. And they do also consume a huge amount of fatty meat in London. And so there's a lot of stuff being poured down drains and stuff like that. So please consider the next time you use quote unquote flushable wipes in the bathroom or rinse grease down the drain, you very well might be feeding a monster. So keep that in mind. And that's Fatbergs, baby. Well, I want to say thank you for that because that's something I didn't know about. But I'm probably going to have nightmares about it. It's probably going to be like you're the captain of like a Fatberg ship in London. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds sounds like something you would dream about. But (laughs) yeah, so that's, that's all I got for you guys. All right. Well... Thanks for listening to us. Mm-hmm. Share if you have ever witnessed a fatberg in oh, person. Share the worst thing you've flushed down the toilet. I won't tell anybody unless you want me to, but please tell me. I want to know. <laughs> um, let us know if you are experiencing deja vu from a past life. Yeah, if you if you're experiencing deja vu, if you personally use a neti pot, tell me if it feels like you're being drowned. I want to know that. What order do you wash your hair in? We'd like to hear from you guys. Share your favorite song you like to listen to on repeat. And if we get enough, we'll make a Spotify playlist and share with everyone. Of course. That would actually be really fun. I would like that a lot. So send us your favorite song to listen to on repeat. Sad, happy, calm, angry. All of it. 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 Yeah. We love that. So do you want to get into Citation Street? You start this time. Let's do it. Speaking of songs on repeat, the study is called Extreme Relistening, Songs Some People Love and Continue to Love from the Psychology of Music Journal. And um, the news article I got it from was the Evening Standard. This is why you listen to certain songs on repeat. They link to the paper, but you have to pay to read the whole paper. And I'm guessing they did because they had more details than in the abstract. So thank you to them. Ranker gave me the wonderful article on the historical events repeated. And the origin of deja vu came from Penn State News. What causes deja vu? They have one of their um, like heads of their counseling and neurology departments um, be interviewed for it to talk about the temporal lobe seizures. Interesting. The illusion of truth came from a BBC article's How Liars Create the Illusions of Truth. And again, that has the link to the actual study, which is the credibility of repeated statements, memory for trivia from the Journal of Experimental Psychology. And lastly, writing lines in the Simpsons chalkboard gag, you have the Wikipedia page on writing lines and the Simpsons fandom wiki page that is completely dedicated to chalkboard gags and it has it listed for every single season and what it is and kind of why they did it if it seems confusing. So... 
if you want to just read through all of that. I wanted to go through and pick my favorites, but that is so, there's so many. There's so many. Oops, bumped my mic. What about you, Kate? <laughs> okay, so for your nasty neti pots, I got that from Healthline in the uh, rinse and repeat hair washing order. That's from the Balancing Act book. Um, when talking about the history of mouthwash, that's actually from one of my favorite books of all time, The Butchering Art by Lindsay Fitzharris, which is a history of Joseph Lister's impact on the world. Um, Baptism for the Dead came from the churchofjesuschrist.org and JSTOR. Um, and Fatbergs came from Wikipedia. Wonderful. Yeah, this was a good episode. Thank you for joining us again. Um, apologies about how terrible the last episode sounded. Hopefully this one sounds better. Um, it's just been, it's been a weird week for all of us. So, <laughs> um, but I'm glad you guys joined us. We had a really good time and join us next week. We love you guys. And stay up to date by following us at, at weird flex podcast on Instagram or send us any info or stories or requests or notes at weirdflexpodcast at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.